Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, praise God. I love this church. Amen. Aren't you happy to be part of a church like this? I think it's great. (laughs) I just love how free we are and interactive, and it's uh, I'm really grateful to be here. We are concluding the series on uh, being approved uh, based on the verse in Timothy, study to show yourself approved of God, rightly dividing his word. And today I'm going to be talking about the most important part of Bible study, the absolute essential. I just wanted to talk loud. It's true. Without this, Bible study is a waste of your time. It's actually destructive. Without this aspect, the more you study, the more judgment you'll come under. If you don't have this aspect. So this, what I'm talking about today, is the most important aspect of Bible study because without it, everything else is actually counterproductive. Are you ready? All right, what could it possibly be? It's the application. Application. It's actually changing your behavior. All right? Every time... You encounter scripture in any way. There should be a direct connect to some change in your life. And if there isn't, it's worse than wasting your time. Because you then have been exposed to God's word, which has the power to transform any life. And you've not allowed it to. Right? The only thing that can prevent the Word of God from not affecting you the way God intends it is you. All right? And so, you know, friends, we need to recognize the incredible gift that we've been given that we have free access to Scripture and Bible study helps more than any other generation that has ever lived times a billion, okay? We have access to, uh, most of us have more Bibles than we could ever use, right? There are still billions of people on planet Earth that have never touched one. There are still millions of people on earth that do not have the Bible translated into their native tongue. Yet we argue about which translation we think is best. All right? It's like you got It's an old show. A movie Robin Williams immigrated from Russia. This is way back in the 80s. What was the name of that show? Huh? No. 
It was this great scene. He, he, he grew up in uh, Soviet, uh, back when the Soviet Union was a thing. <laughs> and of course, they had nothing back then, back in the, in the worst days of the Soviet Union. There was very little food and so like. And there's this great scene where he goes into a, he, he gets to America. Uh, I can't remember the whole story, but the, the scene that blew me away was when he went into a grocery store. And, you know, in the uh, older days in the Soviet Union, you'd have to stand in line to get a loaf of bread, right? You didn't pick out your loaf of bread. You get whatever they had, and you were happy to have it. He goes into a supermarket, and there was just aisles and aisles of food. And, and, and so many choices of, like, you know, when you go down the cereal aisle, how many go, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Really? No, I'm telling stories and we waste all my time, but we had four kids. <clears throat> I'm an old guy. I'm the pastor. I can do what I want. <laughs> no, I'll get in trouble later. It's okay. We had four, you all know, we had four children. <clears throat> None of our children ate baby food. Like, they, would, they just, like, would not eat it no matter what we could do. Until our youngest one, Lewis. Um, so you're like, Lewis came along. We're... Kathy and I were 40 when Lewis was born. And so, you know, I'd been parenting already for a long time. <laughs> and had three kids. And I remember going to buy baby food, which was weird because I had never bought baby food before. I didn't even, I didn't know how to buy baby food. Do you know how many varieties of baby food there, is? there are? Oh my word. How do you pick out? And they're, they're all the same thing, just different colors. It's mush. <laughs> We're so spoiled in our, in our... And thank God, I'm grateful for the variety. And, you know, that's what people complain. Oh, COVID food shortage. And I'm like, I'm buying fresh blueberries and fresh strawberries in the middle of January in Michigan. Okay, guys, we ain't nowhere near a food shortage. So maybe they don't have my particular brand I like. There's an abundance. What does this have to do with the Bible? We have so much at our fingertips. Let's use it intentionally. Now let's get to the scripture. God said, uh, this is Moses in the beginning of Deuteronomy, which is uh, uh, Deuteronomy is actually a collection of sermons that Moses spoke um, before the children of Israel entered into the promised land. So this, were, uh, this is a collection of his final uh, uh, instructions to the people of Israel. After all of those years wandering in the wilderness and all of the miracles they've seen, and so he's, he's, he, these are his final commands. <clears throat> the book begins and ends with the same exhortation. But he says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey. Everybody say obey. Them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey, everybody say obey. obey. All of his decrees and commands you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, people of God. And be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. 
and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That verse, verse uh, 4 and 5, is uh, so important in the Hebrew culture. It actually has a name. It's called the Shema. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. S-H-E-M-A. Um, and a good, faithful Jewish person will say that as the first words out of their mouth every day and the last words out of their mouth before they go to sleep. As soon as the child is born, they speak it into the child's ear. It is the declaration that summarizes the faith and it's put right there in the middle of this exhortation from Moses. He goes on, and you must <coughs> commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, like when you're cruising around doing a road trip. <coughs> <laughs> When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tell them, uh, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. So Moses was very, very, very clear about obedience to God's laws and absolute necessity. And that uh, the fact that the Shema, this declaration of the faith uh, uh, that undergirds all of Judaism and Christianity is embedded in an exhortation to obey God's word, I think is very significant. And I think what it tells us is that loving God and obeying God really is synonymous. All right? In the Jewish mind, there, there's no difference between believing and obeying. It's the same concept. So in our day, uh, you can believe something, you can give intellectual assent to something, but not actually do it, <laughs> right? Um, but in the Jewish mindset, even in the language, you can't dis differentiate between belief and adherence to that belief, all right. Application of God's word is always the goal. Understanding God's word, even being exposed to God's word without allowing it to transform you only brings a greater judgment upon yourself. And so the most important translation is when it's translated from the book into our lives. All right. That's the translation that counts. That's the translation that will reach this world for Jesus. That's the only translation that will convince people who do not know Jesus to come to Jesus is when they see your lives, our lives, my lives transformed <clears throat> by God's word. And in that passage I just read, there's some specific ways it tells us to uh, ap apply or obey God's word. It says, give yourself, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words, to this, to this book, all right? And uh, of course, it, it, Moses was talking about the law, which we called the Old Testament, but that can be generalized to apply to the whole of Scripture and that we are committed wholeheartedly. You can't do this half-heartedly and expect a good turnout, okay? 
just like everything else in life. All right. You need and this especially because doing it half heartedly means you don't really believe it. So commit yourself wholeheartedly. Give yourself completely to this. Put your whole heart and soul into it. Repeat them again and again. If you've had kids, you know, sometimes you get tired of them asking the same question. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Listen, this is the reverse strategy. Okay, just tell them the same thing so often. All right, outdo them in repetition. And repetition is is really so important in learning. Don't stop. Keep reinforcing. Use life situations to explain how God's word is revealed or his will is revealed or his ways are revealed in particular situations. And it doesn't matter where it is. It can be in the grocery store. It can be driving a car. It can go to school. There's everything that you can find something in God's word and talk to your kids about it. Uh, talk about it, not only with your kids, but just talk about it. Talk about God's law. Uh-huh. You know, what it says when, you, when you're at home, when you're on the road, so when you're home, when you're not at home, well, that's pretty much all the time, right? <clears throat> Whatever you're doing, find ways to talk about truths of God. Incorporate the ideas as well as the scripture itself into your daily conversation. Discuss with friends. Discuss with strangers. Try this. a great experiment. Find someone that you just don't know. I go, you know, I read in the Bible today. <clears throat> This. What do you think it means? And wouldn't it be great just to get a complete, like someone who'd never read the Bible before? You know? And whatever, well, I don't believe in the Bible. It's okay. I just wonder, what do you think it means? You know? And just get a totally different, or, you know, you, you never know. <clears throat> I have this funny problem. This is true. (laughs) Not all the time, but many of the times I go to evangelize people, not only are they Christians, but they're generally people that had been in ministry and, and failed or dropped out. Seriously, this is just a few years ago. A guy came to my door, a door to door salesman. Sorry for the door to door salesman in the room. Normally, I just don't answer the door. But I was like standing by the door when he walked up. And I was like, gosh, can't get out of this. <laughs> but I'm like, if I'm going to listen to his sales pitch, he's going to get mine. <laughs> Seriously, it was just like, I don't know if the motivation was good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 no, 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 I got someone that does in my room. By the way. You know, I was just going to ask you a question. Have you ever considered Jesus? The guy had graduated from Moody Bible Institute, which is very, very difficult to get into. He had been a pastor. And I end up encouraging him to reconsider getting back in the ministry. <laughs> it's a strange calling. I guess it happened to me on an Uber drive. 
Same thing in an Uber drive, people on airplanes, it's crazy. <clears throat> so, you know, I do have a reputation of raising up people in ministry, and I think God just uses that. So, uh, uh, talk about it all the time. <laughs> Tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads. Your hands are your action, your forehead represents your mind. Everything you do, everything you think about should have scripture tied to it. Right? <laughs> So, yeah, we know that uh, some Jewish people actually took that literally and tied scriptures to the head, thinking that gave them credit. And Jesus said, you're kind of missing the point. <laughs> All right. The point is that we memorize them. We integrate them so much that they're tied to everything that we do. All right. Jesus said it this way. And I think he's hearkening to the Shema. If you love me, you'll do my commandments. Does that need to be explained? <laughs> There's certain times in my life it's like my job is really I get up and say things that everyone should understand. If you love me, do what I say. I think he's referring to that fact that that declaration that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is in the middle of the command to obey. Before and after obedience or application of God's word is the most convincing manifestation of love. If you say you love God, but you're not obeying his word and his will, you don't really love God. If your actions don't line up with that, uh, then you don't genuinely believe. Intellectual assent to a truth is not biblical faith. Right? Intellectual assent, understanding an idea, is not obedience. Doing what God tells you to do is obedience. Okay? Jesus said it uh, to his disciples, and I just love this verse. <laughs> One of my favorite verses. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Man, I cannot wait to hear how Jesus said that. What? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? I mean, like, was he just really wondering? Was he, when I read it, I hear frustration. <laughs> like, you know, who knows? <clears throat> um, but it's true. And we call Jesus Lord, but when we act in ways that are contrary to his lordship, we're revealing that we don't really believe him. He's not really our Lord. We're just playing games. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show <coughs> you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house uh, was great. <clears throat> without applying the word of God, without application, calling Jesus as Lord, uh, as Lord, Jesus your Lord, is actually meaningless. <clears throat> and Jesus uses that analogy of building a house. Um, there's a few things in here that we can learn about uh, how to 
interact with the Word of God. <clears throat> Jesus said, whoever comes to me and hears my saying. All right, let's just stop. Remember I talked, when I talked about uh, uh, different <laughs> contexts and the last one, the prophetic context, where we just, you know, s- just stop and, and think about that for a minute. And that's what I did with this. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Whoever comes to me and hears my voice or hears my sayings. And I think there's something there that rather than a key to applying Scripture and a key to not only saying Jesus is Lord, but having Jesus as your Lord is seeing Scripture not as just a book of instructions, but as the words of Jesus. And so to me, there's a difference between someone who picks up this book and reads it versus someone who comes to Jesus are you hearing me? And, and recognize, okay, Jesus, I want to hear you in this book. All right? Because this book, you know, at the hands of someone who wants to tear people down or manipulate people or, or uh, you know, has a lot of ammunition. But these words, when heard from Jesus as a person, as, a, as an individual, as someone real, then it has the appropriate connotation, the appropriate intention. It's coming from the person of Jesus. And so this is one thing, how, how, how to apply this. When you read Scripture, when you memorize Scripture, when you study Scripture, realize you're coming to Jesus and you're listening to Him. Yeah, it's integrated. The medium is a, a book or, you know, listening to Scripture. It's words, but it's reflecting a, a person, Jesus. <clears throat> dig deep, says a person who does it well, digs deep. All right. So what does that mean? It means removing the surface layers of life, getting down to the foundation, doing the hard work of identifying and understanding God's word, but also identifying and understanding what is the dirt in our lives that needs to be removed so that we can lay a good foundation. All right. And I've never laid a foundation, you know, in the literal sense. Because it looks like it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> That's something I hire somebody to do. Right? Yes, but I've seen it done. It's hard work. Especially skyscrapers. I've seen this many times because I often visit big cities. And it's amazing how deep they have to dig. You know, it's just this massive holes. And you know it's going to be a big building because they have to go down to the bedrock. Unshakable. Same thing, identifying. That's, that's what it talks about. Now, you identify it so that you actually remove it. And this is where obedience comes in. This is where action has to happen. You have to identify things that you, maybe you believe that were lies and stop believing them or, or behaviors that really just amount to worldliness. Getting caught up in the lifestyle of the world that's not representative. And so it's different for every person. For one person that may be reading the wrong kind of books. All right? I don't know if it's still the case, but there was, there was actually a season where people were addicted to like romance novels. Are all romance novels bad? No. But if you're spending hours and hours, it was like a big deal. It was a major problem. 
and there's a lot of stuff on these things. These computers with that thing called the internet, it can suck you in and drain your brain. All right? And so changing your behavior may look like not giving yourself to things that don't communicate, uh, that's not consistent with the principles and the ideas and the morality of God's word. And it can be media, social media, it can be news. I have had friends that get so addicted to news, you can't even talk to them anymore because all they do is just rattle back to you things they've heard from their favorite newscasters. It's really weird. Uh, and we don't want to, I would rather hear them pondering the truths of Scripture. Right? So you have, application has to be boiled down to actual behavior uh, that changes. James said it this way, it's a very familiar verse. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So from the beginning, way back in Deuteronomy, all the way to James, one of the last books in the Bible, the emphasis is on doing, changing your behaviors based on what you read in the Word. And there is a very familiar, maybe not so much here, but it has been around for many years. Barely's going to hand out uh, an actual piece of paper with this on it. <laughs> and um, for those of you who are online or watching this later, you can download a PDF of this. It's an acronym, which I personally think is one of the worst acronyms ever made. <laughs> Space Pets. But it was, it was it, it, Rick Warren came up with it. <laughs> And if you don't know who Rick Warren is, not only is he one of the most influential pastors, a massive church in California and uh, tens of thousands of churches worldwide, um, but he's also one of the best-selling authors in the 20th century, if not the best-selling author. His books sold so many uh, copies that the New York Times removed him from the bestseller list because they said it wasn't fair. To, uh, seriously. <laughs> his book on uh, Purpose Driven Life. Um, so I can't argue with an, an author uh, that's pretty well respected. And it, it, is, it is a good thing. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just space bets. It's so bad it's rememberable. <laughs> so acronyms, of course, each letter stands for something. We're going to talk through what each of them stand for. And then we're going to actually do it on a passage that's printed on the top of that handout I just gave you from Ephesians. So quickly, real, you know, look in the verse. Is there a sin to confess? You know, is there something in that verse that you've actually done that you need to confess? And guess what? Obeying means you confess it. Confess it before God. Maybe you need to confess it to someone else. If you've done a sin and there needs to be restitution, that means you need to make, make it right. Go to the person, ask forgiveness. If you stole something, pay them back. If you broke something, fix it. Uh, if you broke a relationship, fix the relationship. That's restitution. <clears throat> a promise to claim. 
Uh, is it a universal promise? In other words, some promises are unconditional. Other promises are conditional. In fact, most of the promises in Scripture are conditional. So you need to say, what do I have to do in order to qualify for that promise? <clears throat> and then do it. Is there an attitude to change? Uh, uh, so you want to look and see, is there some attitude that's being spoken here that I need to change to be in line with what this Bible verse is telling me? Is there a command to obey. Not all Bible verses have uh, direct commands, but many of them do. And so you need to be uh, willing to change your behavior. What is the scripture telling you to do that you can actually do this week or that day or right then? Uh, is there an example? Now, some of the examples are positive examples, and some of the examples are examples to avoid, which would be a negative example. All right. And so don't, you know, just because it's in the Bible, it's a Bible story doesn't mean it's all OK. There are some things that are in the stories to show you that the results of that behavior is disastrous. And so is it a negative example or is it a positive example, something that you could emulate? Is there a prayer to pray? And just about every verse in the Bible can be turned into a prayer, especially the Psalms, which mostly were prayers. But you can just pray. God, just turn it into a prayer. Actually say the Bible verse, but change the words and make it be from you, first person. All right. Is there an error to avoid? <clears throat> Again, an example that you don't want to follow if there's something that it's saying, don't do this, uh, so you don't want to do it. Is there a truth to believe? And this is where, again, most Christians in our day uh, make the error, the thing that Christianity is just all in your brain. All right. And uh, every time I, I, I it seems uh, uh, when I talk about applying scripture, uh, I ask for applications. People just think about idea. Everything's on an idea level. All right. But you know what? Christianity isn't an idea level thing. Are ideas important? Absolutely. Ideas are important, but the ideas exist so that you actually put them in the practice. And so it's, it's got to be something other people can see in most cases in order for it to be an application. But if you're believing a lie, repenting of believing that lie and believing truth, that does happen in your brain. That is a thought process, and that's appropriate. But most application, you know, we want to get the practical. Is there something to praise God for? Space pets. <laughs> Couldn't figure out a word about worship or praise that started with an S. So he did something to praise God for. <laughs> Could have but <been> sing, <laughs> but uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> so it's something that you can be grateful for, uh, something that you can actually uh, be grateful or, or uh, thank God or praise God. So we're gonna do this right now for the next five minutes in this room and online. I have my computer, so if anybody online wants to answer one of the questions, except the fact that there will be a slight delay, it's not even a minute though. So, are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Okay, so now, if you want to actually confess a sin that you are sinning and you need to confess, you can do that. Or you can just say, this is an example. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll believe it. That you're just theoretically. <laughs> so
So I picked this verse because I think it's a pretty easy verse to find applications in, but um, is there some sin that you could repent of in this verse, Ephesians? I'll, I'll read it. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So theoretically, what would be a sin that one might need to repent of? <sighs> Evil speaking, holding grudges. One more. Gossip. Right? This whole verse is filled with lists of sins. Right? That wasn't easy. There's no secret like, what is he looking for? <laughs> I get that all the time. Like When I ask a question, I'm really asking a question. Uh, um, and, and, and if you're wrong, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but I want you to think and, and say something. Don't, don't be shy. So yeah, all of those things. And so uh, what does repenting if... Uh, uh, holding a grudge was uh, the sin, how would you repent of that? Stop holding a grudge. And so to do something that would be to change your behavior actually really would help. If you're feeling a grudge as you have negative animosity towards someone, and so you say, yeah, you go, you say out loud, um, I, I just repent uh, for holding a grudge, I'm just going to make up a name, Phil, uh, uh, because he said that to me. He said uh, he talked to me so harshly, and and uh, you know, I just I just release some of that. I uh, let it go. I just bless Phil. In fact, I pray for him. I pray that God just bless Phil today. Open up his eyes. Just bless him. Uh, you know, even though he got the position I should have gotten at work, <clears throat> I just pray that you bless him in that promotion, and that I can be a a good coworker. Something like that. All right. You're actually doing something. All right. All right. What would be a promise to claim? Somebody online said, ask for forgiveness. Good job. Speaking negatively. What would be a promise to claim? We're forgiven in Christ. Any other promises? Sealed for redemption. We have the, we're enabled to impart grace. Yeah, that's huge. All right. We have the power to impart grace. What was that? I will never leave you or forsake you. Is that in this verse? No. Okay. Yeah, we're just looking for applications from this verse. So not just general ideas from Scripture, but what in this verse would be a promise. So we got uh, the ability to impart uh, grace There is a, uh, that we're, we're sealed for redemption, uh, that we're forgiven. <clears throat> See, uh, I can speak life, someone said online. Uh, that God cares about me, and that God actually cares enough to, to, to address these issues in our lives. So all of those are promises. 
And that you can lay claim to that. So when you're reading scripture, ask yourself, is there a promise in the scripture that I can actually lay claim to? All right. And so uh, if you're someone who struggles with feeling like you're you're uh, weak and you don't have a place that you don't have any influence, that's a lie because God's word says you have the power to impart grace. Your words have power. But you know, the only thing that can prevent that from being true in your life is you not believing it. And so applying that would be when you speak, speaking according to this scripture, you're going to believe that it's going to change people's lives. All right. You just go into the meeting or the interaction or when you're nervous to talk to someone, you go, wait a minute. I'm a grace imparter. And practice that for a day or a week or a month or the rest of your life. (laughs) An attitude to change. My words matter. Very good. Any other attitude to change? A lack of kindness. Uh, all, of yeah. <laughs> all of 31. So what attitude? Those are, these are all, well, bitterness is an attitude, isn't it? Uh, and anger, all that is, is on an on a attitude level. And so, how do you change an attitude? Pray. God. Declare the opposite to be true. You know, uh, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but uh, mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds, um, uh, 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 casting down of every, uh, I'm losing it here, philosophy uh, that exerts itself against the knowledge of God. That was a mashup of a whole bunch of translations. (laughs) And so God's word has the power to change the way we think. But you need to identify. So that would be some of the dirt that would have to be removed in order to lay a good foundation as a bad attitude. And often it just needs to be, you know what, I just have a bad attitude about that. And and then say, I'm not going to allow that to dominate my life anymore. And I'm going to have a good attitude. But then you have to get it down to behavior that other people can see. So instead of being grumpy, I'm never grumpy. <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy. It's my normal state. <laughs> I have to work hard to be nice. So, I, I, you know, light up your eyes and let me see if there's anything online. Uh, the notion some people have that I don't want to forgive them. Ooh, forgiving one another, but I don't want to forgive them. So a lot of people have this lie that they believe that they can't forgive. You can forgive because Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price. It's actually possible. Okay, we're running out of time. Let's do one more. Uh, an example to follow. Oh, yeah, we did the command. Uh, 
Oh, is there an example? Something we've... Because Jesus forgave, there's a clear example. And so if Jesus, the perfect man who never sinned, the one person in all of human humanity that never committed anything wrong, but was wrongfully tried, convicted, tortured, crucified on the cross while hanging, dripping blood in excruciating pain from the cross could say, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. If he can do that, how, we can follow the example when someone hurts our feelings by acting in a way that seems rude to us. So much less pain. You see what I'm saying? But that's an example that you can follow. So scripture is just filled. Most verses you can find at least several of these applications in almost every verse. And in every verse, you can find at least one of them, except the list of genealogies, (laughs) which you are required to read at least once in your life, just so you can say you've read the whole Bible. (laughs) But sometimes there are some neat things, especially if you look up the meanings of the words, and you can get into some if you really want to study that. There actually is some powerful truths in that. But you need someone like Mitko to come and explain it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I hope this helps uh, you understand Scripture. And Marilee is going to come up with a quick close to today's service. Thanks so much for participating. Thank you so much. This is so practical. We can use this. In fact, um, in our Bible reading let's we, this week, let's, let's commit to have that be an action, an application from the sermon um, that we just don't just hear it, but we do. So let's, let's stand and pray to close the service. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we've learned how to study it better this month. And um, we thank you that we're reading the Bible together as a church. I pray blessing over everyone in that process that we would really um, eat it up and and memorize it and, and then have it affect change in our life. There, we would be different. We would act different and think different and speak differently because we're applying it. So I just pray blessing over each person for that, grace over them as they're learning to incorporate these things into their study. Um, thank you for what you did this morning in service. And I just pray um, for more, Lord, for just to continue as we go from here this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.